0: to I love this conversation. Uh, or if this is your first episode, welcome. That's okay. You can start with this one. Um, I'm Alex Salzberg. I'm recording this at my desk in Boston. Uh, there's some like construction noises and stuff outside. Let's just be okay with that. Releasing the first episode was really kind of terrifying. It's a new podcast. So my audience for the first episode was at the time, at least, mostly friends and family and people in my artist community. Um, but man, the reception in that group was like so warm and and people shared it and sent me nice messages. Um, and uh, that at least like kind of cushioned the vulnerability hangover of releasing a, a 45 minute piece of audio that 50% of it is like me talking. Today's guest is Matt Bruno Richardson, an independent animation director, animator, and writer who through his company, Tiny Siren Animation, has produced indie shorts, client work, and is now uh, producing and directing an animated feature, which we're going to talk a lot about today. It's really cool. I I mentioned last week in the intro that it took me about five years to start this podcast. And if you listen to the first one, uh, you might be like, well, that's... I mean, that's okay, Alex, but that's kind of weird. It's just a conversation podcast. It's just you talking to your friends and like editing those conversations with an intro and an outro and a little bit of music. And that's exactly why it took so long. This was exactly the kind of podcast I always wanted to make. I've been listening to conversation podcasts uh, where two creative people talk about life and creativity for over a decade. Like, they've kept me company on road trips. They help me fall asleep at night. Uh, they, I, I really think listening to so many of those has actually made me a more curious person and like a more open person in conversation. Um, and so, my dream for a really long time was to bring that curiosity and openness to like a a podcast of my own there's already thousands of podcasts like this right even before podcasts i'm sure there were thousands of radio shows going back like a hundred years that were two creative people talking you know I, i kept trying to think for years of like a more specific angle for my podcast like like a hook like maybe i only talk to animators like matt maybe the questions are super specific or like there's like a strict format but the farther away i got from that like open conversation idea the less excited about the podcast i got and the the more like stuck i was but then whenever i thought about just going for it and like making it like this like my conversation podcast i was stuck too because i'm asking myself like well what's different about what i'm doing why do i deserve to make a conversation podcast and then i thought about it and that's kind of silly right uh, I paint sometimes, right? And and when I paint like a still life or a figure model, I'm not like, ugh, everyone, everyone's already painted in this format. Why do I deserve to do that? I don't think about that at all. Those are my paintings of, you know, flowers or whatever. But that's exactly what is so scary about putting this podcast out. Because the only difference between this
1: podcast
0: and the thousands of other podcasts and radio shows that feature two creative people talking is me that's the hook that's the angle Alex Salzberg is the angle is the hook and that is so scary and so vulnerable like even just saying that out loud and I think that's why something so simple took me so long but you know what it's out now uh I'm facing that fear. I'm not done being afraid, but I'm also like, in addition to being afraid, now I'm proud of it. Now I'm having fun making it. I'm having fun sharing it. So I think it was worth it. And like, I, I think that is what most artists, is, right? Um, yeah, some people are out there inventing new formats and new technology, and, and we love them for that. But a lot of us are out here just adding our voice to existing formats, right? Doing our own version of a still life or a landscape or a novel or a movie like our guest Matt, right? This conversation with Matt, uh, which we recorded in April, was so fun and so interesting and funny and and just. He's a fellow indie animator, so we really get into it. Uh, we talk about so many things, including like the through line between creating as a kid and creating as an adult. We talk a lot about working for ourselves and like building an animation business and and kind of like hiding behind our studio names. And then Matt also opens up and and talks about his recent ADHD diagnosis. And then when I talk about what I'm going through, he actually really helps me get unstuck. So maybe there's a theme there is that, that my guests help me get unstuck. Um, no pressure, future guests. Let's get to this conversation that I clearly really loved. Let's meet our guest and um, hear how he's
1: connected to me. My name is Matt Bruno Richardson, and my connection to you is I know you and I am your... <laughs> I'm your friend. I met Alex years ago at Animatic Boston and I chatted with you a bit. And we've gotten to know each other more since.
0: That's great. I like that you opened with friend. I enjoyed yeah, that. Good, you, yeah, good. You are my friend as well. And cool. yes, Animatic Boston is a um Boston series of art talks that I host, depending on what order the episodes <laughs> are in. It may or may not be mentioned. More oh, more yeah. than once. So I'm going to open with a huge question, but I am also going to have to answer this question later in the pod. So, okay. so don't worry, uh, you won't be alone. What is something you are going through in your creative life or where your personal life overlaps with your creative life? So it could be a problem you're trying to solve, a decision you're trying to make, or just something going on that you're feeling weird and angsty and anxious about.
1: Ooh... Um, you've got me on like the perfect day for this. Um, <laughs> so I just finished three days that were like the coolest professional experience I've probably had so far.
0: Okay, love um, it. Um,
1: that was like super exciting and like I, I, uh, cried four times in two days over that alone. So that was like super duper high, awesome, very cool. Yeah. And then the day after, after my three days of like really, really cool professional stuff, uh, my mom calls me and tells me that they have to put down our childhood dog. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. So it was like weird in the course of like 24 hours to go from like awesome, awesome, happy to like very, very sad. So first, I want to back up to talk
0: about the awesome part. Are you up for being more specific about Ooh, yeah. what that career highlight was? Yeah. Sounds
1: Awesome. Look, like looking back on it, I'm like, oh, wow, I actually did that. This time, like about a week ago, I was driving to Logan Airport to pick up some vocal talent for my first independent feature film. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. I don't know why
0: I'm acting surprised. I know about this yeah, for you've... context. This, this podcast <laughs> is not supposed to be like some radio show where I'm
1: like, wow. <laughs> but go on. Yeah, so no, we flew in two of our four leads. Ashley Heaton, I went to college with her, but then Blake Cordell... Uh, lives in Chicago. I've never met him once in my life. Mm. And then the next three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we were, the three of us were driving to uh, AudioLink in Concord, Mass and recording for four hours a day. So to like actually be going into, A, just a level of like, oh my God, like we're flying people in for this. Like, that's very cool. But then also just to actually go into a uh, a professional recording place mm-hmm. and hear these two people act and play off of each other, it was Very exciting. What you're describing are all these moments where,
0: (laughs) this is going to sound weird, but I think you and I will relate on this, where you feel like a real filmmaker. Something that you and I have in common are that we are both very indie, but growing up we had relatively mainstream influences in terms of like a lot of Disney stuff and I feel that I started my career just pretending I was in a DVD behind the scenes or who am I kidding? VHS, I'm a little <laughs> older than you. Pretending I remember VHS behind the Pretending I was in a VHS behind the scenes of a Disney movie and the, every time it
1: actually looks a little more like that and feels a little more like that, it's exciting. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is a movie. <laughs> this is an animated movie. I will feel these feelings in about two years. They hit Friday. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I very much felt very, very quickly, like, oh, not only is this so much more than I've ever done before in my life, but I didn't feel unprepared for it. Oh, that's interesting. I was just working with all of these people in a capacity I've never worked with anyone before, and it felt fine. That's basically like saying, I've never run a marathon.
0: I've only ever run 25 miles, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: suppose, yeah. (laughs) So I'm curious when
0: you say you felt prepared, do you mean... Emotionally, do you mean as a director? Do you mean just logistically?
1: I think it's a very good project for me to be making my directorial debut with um, Mm -hmm. because this is, um, I started these in college. I started making these shorts just like for YouTube. Uh, They were called Sirenetta and it's uh, this like mermaid girl and she transforms into a human because The Little Mermaid is my favorite story ever. You said you started these in college. I started these in college, yeah. So
0: I get the sense that you... And, and I say this as someone who has seen some of your earlier work. I'm mm-hmm. lucky enough to have be, <laughs> because I created an event uh, where people show some of their embarrassing oh, yeah, early work. Oh, yeah, that
1: stuff's from high school. Oh, right.
0: Boy. So as someone who's seen some of your work from high school that maybe would normally be in the, um, in the Bruno Richardson vault, <laughs> um, I get the sense that back then you already viewed yourself as a professional filmmaker through the scope of a, a – kid. Yeah. And that's something that was true for me. So I'm curious, did that just kind of continue and you just like felt more and more professional or was there some sort of arc where you felt, went down and felt less professional and then more professional? I
1: think, yeah. I mean, like, oh my God, when I was in college, I, you could not tell me I was not the next Walt Disney. Like I was just like, <laughs> yeah. no, this is happening. I'm opening a theme park when I'm, I don't know, in my fifties. Right. Um, no, it was that very much built and built and built probably until... I went into business for myself. I was about 25. I had been working for a startup for about a year. Mm -hmm. Saw some writing on the wall and was (laughs) like, oh, this startup's probably not going to... uh, Last too much longer. A
0: startup, really? Uh, I
1: know it's so uh, unheard of. A startup not quite working. We should call them shutdowns. Oh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. You you bring out this side in me that's... I I I'm, like it. I'm, that just made me think of the uh, there's like apparently a a show about we work. But um, oh yeah yeah. It's oh man the the title is something like that level cheesy. <laughs> it's like we like shut we don't, down. We don't work. Yeah, we didn't work. I don't remember what it's called. But um, <laughs> uh, I. When I was 25, I was like, oh, this is uh, maybe not going to work for me. Mm. And I'd always wanted to work for myself in animation. Yeah. So I I basically was like, hey, my contract is up. I'm out. I got married. And then when I came back, I started my own business. That's when I started Tiny Siren mm. Animation. And like for that first six months, year, I was like, yes, I'm great. I made it. Um promptly that stopped and it started feeling very like it's hard like starting your own business and working for yourself is really hard and my whole journey through that has been very like sort of backwards and strange but at a point like definitely like when you're the only one I definitely like hit a point where I was like oh no I can't I'm not gonna like I this is how I pay my bills now and I'm seeing that I'm not able to do that so like clearly I am not I'm not the next Walt Disney, uh, which is a, a, a thought that I'm glad to be free of now. Uh, yeah, I, I think it definitely like
0: stopped. Okay, so something I envy about kids in general, but especially my childhood self, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was true for you as well, is that in retrospect, we're pretending that we're the next Walt Disney, right? We're playing a game called VHS uh, Behind the Scenes, where we where we act like that, but- when you're a kid, pretending is enough for it to be real. And, I, and I'm not even just talking about when you're a little kid. I'm talking about when I was 17, 18. Oh, yeah. You know? Just
1: because I'm trying, I've done it. And like right. that is that is amazing. Like That feels like enough.
0: I was creating in high school and middle school and stuff in an era before view counts were a metric. Mm-hmm. So for me, I didn't have this sense that maybe only 12 people were reading my webcomic on a, any given day or whatever. I'm just thinking like, these characters are memorable. People, people know, people know that uh, he does this, and like, oh, that's a callback to this thing from four years ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, they know, you know. And and then I think what you're descri- what you just described in in sort of your run up to actually going pro, <laughs> <and> yeah, <laughs> actually becoming a cartoon creator is that you get hit with this wave of reality that oh, pretending doesn't cut it anymore. There yeah. are real metrics, whether your metrics are view counts or your bills being paid or you know your work being at a level of quality that gains respect in the industry whatever those metrics are they exist and you can't pretend anymore yeah and it that can be really a really difficult period.
1: <laughs> I think like every year I've had at least one, probably at least month long period where I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like what am I gonna do next? Like what do I pivot to? I have no like usable skills. <laughs> <laughs> what what <laughs> which tri- is a
0: lie? But <laughs> what triggers
1: that thought process or that freak out or whatever you wanna call it? Um- I think it's just like, A, um, uh, you know, a cycle of anxiety that I think a lot of artists probably have, especially independent artists. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the reality of like, yeah, money. Like, we're a little tight this month and I don't really know how to like rally. Or, ooh, the big one the last like two years as I've been freelancing more um, is I finish a job and I'm like, yes, great, okay, cool. (laughs) My bills for like March are paid holy crap, April's coming. I have no jobs right. lined up. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Right. So many animators
0: uh, start their career either freelancing or in a studio, but either way, they start basically making stuff for others mm-hmm. and then have the ultimate goal of making their own work, whether that's through a studio system or indie. You kind of flipped it, as, yeah. you, as you alluded to, <laughs> where when you started your your um, business a couple of years ago, you started with indie work. You directed and produced shorts and- my senses that was a viable business at that point, and yeah. then you switched to freelancing.
1: You're very right. Probably about eight or nine months into starting it, the the indie work became uh, good, lucrative, <laughs> I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So I made those first six serenata shorts in college, right? And I was so I was like, oh, I really love playing in this world. Before I started my business, I just got a group of friends together from college. I was like, hey, like you guys have all graduated trying to get into animation. So do you guys just want to like work together and like animate together and like make six more Sirenetta shorts? And a bunch of people said yes, which was incredible. So we made six more shorts and like in the middle of that is when I started my business. Gotcha. Um, So that very immediately was like, okay, uh, my business is going to have... uh, As you know, and as uh, people listening will soon find out, everything I do is fish puns. So my business uh, is going to be a trident, and it's going to have three prongs. And those prongs are going to be uh, freelance work, making cartoons for others. Indie work, making cartoons for for us. So that was Sirenetta at the time. And um, I'm going to be uh, making wedding videos. I'm going to try mm. to like get into get into that market. So was the idea that
0: the um, freelance work and then specifically the freelance wedding videos would fund the indie work? 100% that was gotcha. the plan. Can I ask a question that will involve transparency and I will cut me asking if you don't want to answer. Sure. Um, what was your financial situation going into starting your own business?
1: I had kind of known for a while that this was a thing I wanted to do at some point. Mm -hmm. So I'd been squirreling money away from like all sorts of different places, like family money and like work and stuff like for years. Sort of an
0: undersea treasure chest. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. A little grotto full of treasures. (laughs) um, Ready to go whenever I needed them. And so right after I got married, I decided I needed them. That lasted me probably... I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it definitely got the first year, like, and my plan was fully like, oh, i I am client facing. I will, you know, get money from clients and from right. weddings. and that'll fund Sirenetta. that will fund future future original works. Um, the client facing stuff went okay. It was a yeah. little rocky. Weddings was interesting because, like, I got a lot of interest from, like, The Knot or Wedding Wire. Or, right. Like, people were like, this is a cool idea. People will I, want this. I'm
0: guessing you're. Plan was to make animated videos yes. of, of the couples. Yeah. So it's a fun yeah. idea. Yeah. Like a
1: fun little like animated, like this yeah. is how they met. And I, this I've is done, how they
0: I think two of those. I thought after I did two. I didn't have it sounds like you had like an actual business plan around it. I was just, you know, but I did I did one or two of these wedding videos and I thought, oh man, the moment this goes up on my site and my YouTube and my Vimeo, I'm gonna get People every gonna married it. couple. I thought it was gonna blow people's minds.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I agreed. And then we all yeah. were sort of like okay, we don't really know why, but this is not catching on. That kind of fell flat. Client work did fine. And then Sirenetta, when we were done with the second six episodes, we had figured out how to get on Amazon. Because Amazon at the time, like five years ago, right. they had just sort of opened their doors up to indie filmmakers and said, if you can figure out how our accounts work, and because uh, it's not easy, and if you've passed, like, quality control, if you're appropriate for our yeah. audience, we will publish you on Amazon Prime. You got to jump through, like, a bunch of hoops. And, like, that's, that's where me being, like, a business helped me a lot.
0: Mm, versus, you had a legitimate. Yeah.
1: Here's my LLC. Here's all this tax information. Right. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, an EIN number? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got yeah, that. Yeah. And, yeah, so they, they approved it. And because we were on Amazon and because that's monetized, we started doing really well. So, so was it a, a case, again, I'm asking for financial
0: transparency, where you got paid by The View or was it?
1: Yeah, I either got the ad revenue or a portion of their prime membership. Mm. That is where the money was coming from. And
0: and how did you feel once it started doing really well? It was
1: very validating. I'm building it and they're coming. Like it's right. it's...
0: And these are shorts you wrote about yeah. characters that are personal to you. That are very
1: personal. Was, um,
0: in a genre that I believe is is very beloved by you.
1: I don't know. It was very cool. And I made this whole business plan. I, I was prepared to like be client facing and kind of really have to like work to work on my own stuff. Right. And everything is is backwards now. Like I can actually, I can focus on original work. Obviously, I know more chapters of the story, but if you and I had
0: been talking then, I think Many animators would be so jealous of you at that point. That's not to say it, you should have felt a certain way, but it's interesting. I
1: think even at the time, I knew that that was not how it happened. Like, right, I right. think I was like, this. the fact that this is how this has occurred. I set up my business plan to be client-facing. Yeah, like, yeah, I knew yeah. that it was supposed to be like more, I make work for others so I can make work right. for myself. When it
0: happened, though, did you have this feeling like it was going to go on forever? Oh, yeah. I thought it would be so, yeah, eternal. T- talk about that or, or maybe mm-hmm. when you realized that. When that feeling got um shattered, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um it uh, I mean, the big, the big factor there was kind of Amazon just tinkering with their own platform. And that was really discouraging. So what I had been doing was um I, I took a lot of the money from Sierraneta that Sierneta had made on Amazon, and I was like, Okay, I'm going to reinvest this in my animation team and we're gonna make shorts that they wanna make. Um, so we started with we had three that we were going to make. At yeah. risk of imposing
0: a narrative that I made up, <laughs> I want to point out that your next step wasn't to jump right into freelance. You had this money that yeah. you could have, I don't know, bought a, a boat to go out to the real sea. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm not saying it was that. I don't know how much money it was, but, you know.
1: It was, well, it depends on the boat, I guess, but.
0: <laughs> I right, mean, stop me when when it's a kayak, canoe. Canoe, so, <laughs> canoe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to point out, though, is that you instead said, I'm going to start a shorts program, which again, that feels very VHS slash DVD behind the scenes of you in yeah. the sense of, and this is a positive thing. Not, a, I'm not trying to point this out as a delusion. You're, <laughs> you're, you're viewing yourself as like, just because I'm indie doesn't mean I'm not the real deal. Just as a studio in LA can take their money and put it towards a shorts program, you know, Cartoon Network, yeah Polonia, yeah, I can do that. I can find talent and have them work on stuff and support that.
1: I think there was a level of that, like we definitely we called it a shorts program. We called it the Tiny Siren Shorts Program, yeah. um, and I think a part of it was sort of I think calling it that and and sort of like the quote unquote branding around it right. was was definitely the like yes, there's no reason why I can't. But also like I I had been like very touched by them wanting to work on sirenetta for for so long. When you talk about your animators, your staff, these are
0: all people working as contractors for you essentially yes they were they were contractors because that's another thing that i've actually found is rare because i i started freelance i started freelancing in college i um went full-time freelancing at 25 Mm -hmm. but very early on like if not in college right after college i started hiring contractors to work under me as the director and i I also did a lot of the animation but i've actually found that most freelancers don't do that and I think Some of that came from for me, this idea that I thought of myself as as bigger or as more of a legitimate operation.
1: That's probably Uh, exactly what I was doing. Like I was like, oh no, like if we're if if I'm if I'm the next Walt Disney, I need a Walt Disney animation studio. Right. (laughs)
0: Here's here's my team. Like here are the animators. Right. If it is a delusion, maybe it's a healthy delusion. Yeah. Oh yeah. It gave us both fuel.
1: Exactly. And uh a lot of great a lot of great relationships that I really, really cherish. Yeah, same, um, same. But one of the good things that I got from that startup was the CEO was very much like, oh, starting a business is delusional. You mm-hmm. need to be delusional to start your own business. Right. That is something that I do think I've tried to hold on to a bit is right. some of that delusion. Right. Um,
0: so you made you made some some shorts and released yeah. them. Take us now to kind of the stage you've been in up until maybe last week. of uh, Yeah. The, I... I the freelancing era of yeah, Tiny Siren.
1: We while we were producing that last short, I realized that like I just couldn't feasibly right. continue to fund it. Can I
0: ask when you say we who is oh, me. it's
1: me. It's fully me. It's I just, it's one of those like weird, I don't know, when you're self-employed, mm-hmm. for some reason, like calling yourself we, us, the company, for some reason is like a shield or something. Like yeah. it makes you feel so much more comfortable to talk about.
0: That's interesting. Where does Matt Bruno Richardson end and Tiny Siren begin or vice versa? Ooh. And, and I ask myself the same questions about yeah. Alex Salzberg and uh, Poke Gravy Studios every day.
1: I mean, I guess like easy stuff is just like financially. Like I have different accounts for all that.
0: The administrative separation. Yeah,
1: it's very easy to separate yourself from your business on paper. Emotionally, it's really, I mean, especially now as I'm getting back into the indie stuff, it's very difficult to Mm. separate yourself emotionally.
0: Do you think this sort of, uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it, but the saying saying we, that sort of habit, is that to protect yourself emotionally? Yeah, I think, yeah. Because I found for me, I've only very recently become more comfortable with I versus oh, versus yeah. we. I think I always felt more legitimate being a we. Yeah. Even though the we was me and some contractors. And that right. doesn't mean that the contractors or part-time employees don't care. It doesn't mean that my you know writing partner at times doesn't care. It doesn't mean that any given person helping on any given project doesn't care. But Poke Gravy Studios, my company, is
1: me. It's you. It's all yeah. on me.
0: If it... <laughs> If Poker Heavy Studios fails, nobody else really loses much. If yeah. Poker Heavy Studios commits a crime, I'm the only one who goes to jail. Yep. You know, um, for the record, I have not committed a crime. No
1: cra- I've, uh, uh, Every time I've seen Alex Halsberg, he's been an upstanding citizen. Yeah, I mean, I've,
0: there's a lot of paperwork with companies. I probably committed several by mistake, <laughs> but, uh, you know. <laughs> Those are the
1: ones they don't seem to really care about
0: too apparently. much. Apparently. So talk about entering freelance.
1: I had a really incredible freelance opportunity pop up while we were working on that last short. It was freelance, but it was an mm. original story at the same time. I got hired by the Amino app to uh which is a social media app that I still don't fully understand, but it still exists. I believe it does. Okay. But I got this opportunity to pitch to Amino and basically make shorts, make a series of animated shorts, yeah. which had been my entire career so far, but it was it was going to be freelance. I was going to be a, a contractor. Right. When that came along, I kind of went to the the animators uh, who I'd been working on this third short with. It was like, hey, just logistically, I have to take this. Like, I'm, we'll we'll pause this short. It's only a three month contract, which I should have known at the time. Bad news. So that was hard. That was like kind of a hard conversation to have with some people. Uh, so that's, I guess, like maybe where it stopped being Tiny Siren and started being me. Like I was just like, oh, for me, I have to, I have to right. go do this because, a, it's cool, but also like logistically, money wise, like I need this job from this other right, company, right? And that was like a, 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 a wild, uh, wild ride because, like I said, it was about three months, three four yeah. months. Uh, I negotiated my pay up to a point where it covered my mortgage for that time. I mean, it was good. It wasn't great, but mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. covered one of your you know 12 bills. For yeah, the month. exactly. Right, 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 yeah, right. yeah. So I did that for about three months. I finished March 2020. Um whoops. <laughs> yup, yep, yup. So I was like, okay, I'm exhausted. Uh, I just did this insane project where I basically didn't it was like, okay, like i i I think I need to I, I need to create stuff because that's my job. I need to animate because that's my job, but I just I don't have it in me to write my own stuff anymore right. Um, so I just started freelancing. I got some jobs from like friends connecting me with other people for a yeah. while. So
0: what has your experience been like freelancing? Has it been overall positive, both from an emotional perspective, a
1: financial perspective? It's a mixed bag. I have enjoyed it. Working for all these different people, getting to do all these different projects was like super exciting and showed me more of what I wanted to do when I was making these shorts. It was all sort of almost like an artistic echo chamber. We were all sort of like, okay, yes, like this is the sandbox we like playing in. So this is the sort of thing we'll always do. Kind of the coolest thing, um, last year, I got to freelance pretty much almost exclusively for other artists, right? which is incredible. And probably the best yeah. learning experience I had since like college, I got a lot out of it and I still get a lot out of it. I intend to continue freelancing through this big project, just logistically, I'm, I'm probably going to have to. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I have enjoyed it and I've loved learning and like meeting all of these new people and stuff. But it is just like, it's it's the exhaustion of like, wow, I worked really hard on that and it's done. And now I have to do it all again from square one.
0: You know, you freelanced for a couple of years and now you're entering a phase where you're going to continue to freelance, but your main focus is going to be an indie feature. Did it feel like a gradual lead up to this feature, or did it feel more like you hit a breaking point and you're like, I gotta do a big indie
1: project? I think I've I've known for a while, like like you were saying, like when you were a kid and having having like Disney as an influence, yeah. and, uh all those VHS tapes and everything. Yep, yep. Um, I've known for a while that like I wanted to be making feature films. Yeah. because, like, those are what I grew up loving. Like, that's right. what made me love animation was feature-length animated That's, movies. like, the
0: art form you're
1: inspired by. Yeah. Um, so I, I've always known that, like, this is where, this is an end goal. And then I started writing this movie um, featuring those Ciaraneta characters who I, like, started my yeah. career with. And that kept being fun. And then I sent it off to, like, you and some other friends to, like, read. And getting the notes back continued to be fun. Mm. I want to invest in this more. I want to do this more. And I think from that, but also um, being diagnosed with ADHD and going on medication for that, which lets you sit down and organize yourself for the first time ever, Mm. very much let me actually be like, oh, okay. So like, this is how I could do that. And this is where I could potentially get funding for this to happen. And um, like, I could actually like sit down and sort of organize everything in a way that let me see like, yeah, this is a risk, but like, I can maybe actually like make this happen and do this.
0: Right. What was one of the biggest ways that you now realize ADHD was affecting your creative life before that diagnosis? And how? what is the biggest way? You kind of touched on it, you know, talking about organizing, but mm. what is the biggest way it's affected your creative life now, now that you have the diagnosis?
1: Um, well, I mean, before I was just like so scattered. Something I've now learned, so I guess this is maybe the after, is that like, I do sort of enjoy going at a breakneck pace. I do enjoy Mm. having like multiple, I'm going to just use every metaphor I can think of. I like having multiple irons in the fire. I like being able to see like process on every part of production Mm -hmm. for the most part. And I think now that is a conscious choice. I like knowing that there's a lot of things moving forward at the same time before that was not a choice that was the only way my brain could Oh
0: work. interesting.
1: I could not sit down and like write a whole script. I could not sit down mm-hmm. and just like animate a scene. I had to animate some of the scene and then go write more of the script. I I could not sit down and just do a thing. So I think now kind of being able to just like sit down and do this part it's really nice to have that control especially going into I mean I I truly I, if I did not get diagnosed I don't think I'd be doing this right now. Right. <laughs> like, I, I don't think I would have uh, had the patience to to get this far.
0: What does it feel like, maybe in the pre, pre-diagnosis, what did it feel like when you were sitting down to write a script? To the best that you can describe something that's going on in, in one's brain well, and body.
1: I think the best way to describe not just script writing, but kind of everything, was that it felt like everything was screaming at me all the time. Mm. Um, and like... Going onto medication for this, getting even just finding out that I had it at all, um, was kind of like the world got to be quiet. I got to actually like sit down. And if I want to listen to like, I don't know, this distraction over here, I can, but I don't have to. Like, I, I. A lot has very much changed. So writing has changed. Uh, The most magical thing is I can drive now. (laughs) Ah. I was never able to drive before because it was way too, there was too much going on. And then last week, truly, I'm spending 40 minutes in the car twice a day uh, driving me and two actors back and forth from Concord. Right, Um, right. Is ADHD, I don't know the language, is ADHD, would that be considered a mental illness? Is that the right term? I, I I think it's it's more falls under neurodivergency. Neurodivergence. Um, yeah. I d- I I am also not the most educated. I I'm can. gonna for the sake of this conversation use the term brain things. Sure. Yes. And that's I think very much. I,
0: yeah. <laughs> I think those of us, especially creative people, who are trying to improve our relationship with our brain things. Yes. Um, I think there can sometimes be a fear that we're going to lose something as we. As we even as we acknowledge that we're gonna gain clarity and health and all these wonderful things that we gain from dealing with our brain things. Yeah. Sometimes we're afraid I mean, just personally, I used to have a fear that if I was less anxious, I would have uh I'd be less funny as a writer. Sure. Um so I'm curious if you had any of
1: that. I think I maybe had some fear around that, but my diagnosing doctor, I I said this like really, really great thing to me um, in her diagnosis, which was, okay, so like you, Matt, you have a combination, ADHD, generalized anxiety disorder, and depression. Mm. Those are a bad combination because (laughs) what happens is Uh, your anxiety tells you you're bad at something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your depression tells you that because you're bad at this, you're bad at everything. Oh, yeah. And you're a bad person. And then before you can focus on that, before you can work on that feeling, your ADHD finds another thing that your anxiety can tell you that you're bad at. Wow. Um, So if you take any of those out of the cycle, in this case, it would be ADHD because that's what I was working on. You can work on the other two. So I think that sort of dissuaded any like fear. I was like, "Oh, okay, like this very logically, very clearly makes right. sense to me." Right. And so far has been my experience. Right. Without the without the constant distraction, I have noticed my anxiety go mm-hmm. down a lot and I'm able to focus and it's creatively been really really great because like I said, I don't think I would be working on what I'm working on right now right. if I if I hadn't done all that. I want to bring it back around to the moment we brought up at
0: the beginning, which All is right. that you—you you had this this big high of recording voice actors and sort of almost growing back around into the uh, Walt Disney, um, perhaps a less problematic and younger version of yeah, different different <laughs> different guy, <laughs> you know, a, a VHS behind the scenes type of guy, yeah. Um, You've come around to that. You've had these big highs, and then you're also dealing with the ups and downs of life, of a family yeah. pet passing away. You touched on other moments when real life overlapped with work. You touched on you got married around the same time that you oh, yeah. uh, started a company. You started freelancing at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. Do you feel like that overlap is more or less manageable in this? In with that
1: new outlook. It has been easier for me to organize these emotions. Mm -hmm. I noticed yesterday I was having this very weird, this weird feeling where I had gone all day being like, wow, I'm really in a rut. Like, I'm just like, I am, I am tired. I'm not doing well right now. Like, I'm just like, I'm so sad all the time. And like, it's just like, this is such a low. And like over the last two years since starting freelance, when you're emotionally tired, it's usually because terrible things are (laughs) happening. it is a pandemic like you are stressed for money like when you're emotionally tired it's bad I think this time around I was able to like sit down and actually organize the fact that I was emotionally tired because of really great like really great work things yeah and also just this release of sadness for this beloved pet when you're being pulled in 20 different directions it's easy to just be like this is all bad so I don't want any of this but when you're actually able to like sit down and organize you can be like Okay, no, like, it's just this direction and this direction right. that are bad. The rest is fine. You're not having a bad day just because you feel tired. Even though, like, you're used to this feeling being associated with tired. You're actually here because of really, really cool, really cool things that have happened. And then just, like, one really sad one.
0: I promised I would also answer the question of oh, of, of course, something yeah. I'm going through. And I I'm entering... Period. By the way, you don't have to solve what I'm going through. I just want to share oh, it. Share it, okay. and we can discuss. Um, <laughs> I am hitting a point in my career, so I, you know, I have my own company. I do a lot of client work. I also made a pilot last year in a little bit more of a um, Hollywood way, and that I had some accountability. And before anyone ever sees it, if at all, it has to be pitched and, and made yeah, a lot of stuff, yeah. and and. That's a slow process. A few years ago, I made an indie short, which took me to festivals and I made all these friends and all this great stuff happened. I I wrote it with a friend. You know, I am craving to just make something short and fully indie again. Mm. But I'm finding it really hard to fit that into my current career and my current life. And I don't know why it's hard. I don't know if it's that I have no time. I don't know if it's that I don't actually really want to do that as much. I could say it's cuz I I don't have money for that. But like I didn't have money for plenty of things that I've made in my life. You know, I could say it's cuz I can't choose what to make, but I always have I have ideas. So yeah. I
1: I don't know what's stopping me. Do you know, Matt? I let's see. Well, so like we're this is uh an exercise that I actually When I'm having a feeling that, like, I don't fully understand, I do Mm -hmm. try to do this a lot, I just sort of try to, like, sit back and be like, okay, what's one emotion I'm feeling? Mm. So, like, one time, probably the last time I did this was I was angry a lot of the time for some reason. I couldn't figure it Mm -hmm. out. So, I just sat back and was like, okay, anger, what are you, like, I'm lying in bed. Thank you, anger, for reminding me of something. Because I also am one of those people who get mad at myself for having yeah. a bad emotion, which is not yeah, healthy. I think that's common. Yeah. It's very common, especially You're so
0: mad that I'm mad.
1: Yeah. Well, that's very much what was happening. So I finally was like, oh, I need to sit down and actually kind of process this. So it I was just being like, okay, anger. Thank you for being here. You are you're telling me something is wrong. Yeah. What is wrong? It's 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 very convoluted to like try to explain but it's basically like okay thank you emotion for reminding me of this reality
0: right so so for me what emotion i'm asking you to be my therapist now but what what emotion would you start with or what part of me would you start with for the to to dig into this feeling of both an intense desire to make something but also an intense sort of roadblock.
1: Yeah. Well, so I think the the like want you you get. Like you yeah. you know the excitement, you know right. the positive emotions that yeah. it's eliciting. Um the negatives might be like uh any stress, like okay, so thank you, stress for reminding me of thinking like I don't have I maybe don't have the budget for this right, right. now. I, well,
0: I would maybe say it's fear.
1: It's okay. So yeah, then what is fear reminding you of in this uh-huh. moment?
0: I think I'm afraid, I'm afraid that now that I'm not the sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, last time I made a film, I sort of had nothing to lose. It was actually kind of a low point in my freelancing and and a low point as well, actually, in my personal life. I was going through a breakup at the time. So I was just, the word I was looking for was scrappy. I was Ooh, scrappy. Okay. I was, I was a, a, you know, just dirty trash boy, just like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> learning how to box. Scrappy always makes me think of like raccoons. Just like I was raccoon literally about to around. say I was boxing raccoons. Yep. We, we okay. are on the yeah. same page. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I, was, I was hungry. And now I have... Big clients. Yeah. Um, I've had some career success. My personal life at the moment is, I mean, no personal life is perfect, but it's it's stable, it's very stable. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh I guess I'm afraid that if I go back into that scrappy mode. I will actually be sacrificing some of that stability. Wow, I never said that out loud.
1: Yeah. This is, like, very much what I was, like, before I really decided, like, I was, okay, this is definitely what I'm doing, like, making a feature length mm-hmm. film. Um, I was very worried because I was, like, this is insane. Making yeah. an indie film period is sort of a risk, but, like, an animated one that takes years to finish, mm-hmm. like, wild. And, like, I... I sat down with my husband and he very much was like, no, you kind of need to do this because you're gonna do it eventually. And he made me really see, like, oh no, you your life has changed. Your life is different.
0: You don't have to be indie mat from five years ago. Right. This is a different indie mat. This is a a different,
1: yeah. I was very much having the same reaction of being like, this is unstable. Um, that is frightening because my life is way more stable now. I have a lot more to think about. Not necessarily worry about maybe, but like I have a lot more to think about. It's easier to be scrappy in your career when you're scrappy about everything. Yeah, like yeah, when of, everything when is sort of, yeah. like and maybe,
0: maybe we're just describing getting older, but... Maybe,
1: um, that's very possible. <laughs> um, but I think, well, I guess even like when you're getting older, like you sort of, uh, we were just, I was just talking about this with some friends, but like we were like... How yeah. did we have the time? How did we have the patience? That's it. That's what I feel about my old,
0: last time I made a a big indie short project was like, how? Yeah. How did I do it? And could I even do it again without blowing up everything else?
1: Right. I think what I kind of realized, and I've realized it a lot over the last week as I've been working with these people, and that's been going well. But I think what I've like slowly realized is like, oh, yeah, I'm not scrappy Matt anymore. I'm not scrappy indie mm. Matt there's this bigger foundation now, right. and you can build more onto the, it.
0: The stability that you're afraid of losing. This is healing for me. Oh, the good, stabi- I'm glad. <laughs> the, stability, the stability that we're afraid of losing is actually going to help us do yeah. this even
1: better. I think I had to, and it sounds like maybe you have to as well. It's 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 not that you're going to lose this. It's mm-hmm. that this is actually going to help you get it.
0: Right, yeah. right. I love that. So my next step, I'm gonna to talk to your husband,
1: yeah, as you sh- as everyone should. He's actually very good at this.
0: <laughs> All right, I want to wrap up with a lightning round. Your, cool. your answers don't have to be that fast, <laughs> but you know, first question: <clears throat> What is something you learned the hard way that you're glad you learned the hard way? Oh,
1: um. I think that's uh I'm gonna say like advocate for yourself. I um, love it. And why are you glad you learned that the hard way? Um well because I sort of like had to as an as a freelancer, you sort of have to like learn it on the fly, yeah. I guess. And so like you know, I, I had a few jobs, especially like the ones that I took truly when I was like at the very beginning, back yeah. before I sort of had my like indie sidestep.
0: Um, before the Bruno Richardson renaissance.
1: Essentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Um, But I think, like, on those, like, I very much was like, oh, okay, like, yes, like, I'm new at this. So, like, Mm -hmm. I have to do whatever. And then, like, especially with Amino, Amino is the project where I think I learned this the most. But, uh, like, they came to me truly with nothing. Like, basically, like, I was like, are you serious? Like, how is this an offer? I think that was very much when I learned, like, oh, I can just say, like, that's not going to work for me. Because it's not. It's literally not going to work for me. I cannot reasonably take this. And... For me to say that and be like, this is what will work for me. Like, that was very much like, oh, great, cool. Okay, <laughs> I actually can like ask for what I need and yeah. give it to me. This is great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then what's something you learned the hard way? This is the second lightning round question. Mm. Something you learned the hard way that you'd be happy for people if they just learned it the easy way
1: by just listening to you say it right now.
0: Ooh. You're like,
1: you could skip this step. The lesson that like your work isn't going to be for everybody. On all sorts of stuff that I've made over the years, starting in high school, going up to now, I've gotten a lot of like, I, I'm a I'm a child of the internet. Obviously people say terrible, terrible things.
0: Right, right. You're hyper aware of what I'm, an audience means. Yeah, and that includes trolls and That includes trolls. And.
1: and I, on Amazon, because those were reviews, so just, those weren't just comments. Ooh, trolls with stars. Exactly. I was getting like one or two star reviews And like those I would like obsess over. Like Jake, Mm -hmm. my husband, very much was like, okay, but look at what you have. Look at all these numbers. Look at this money that you have coming in. You're getting watched. You're getting money. Like this is going well. And I'm like, yeah, but that person hates me. (laughs) Your husband's two for two in this conversation. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's uh, truly, he's good. He's good. Um, He's good at this stuff. Love it. Um, But I would obsess over, I would obsess over the negative words over the uh, positive numbers. So I think the lesson that I had to learn was, oh no, my stuff is not for everyone. And that's okay, because not right. ev- not anything is. Um, so I think that's a lesson that I, I would love for people to just like internalize before they they have to learn it.
0: What is your favorite thing to do that has nothing to do with writing or animation or <gasps> filmmaking?
1: Ooh. I'm a toy collector mm. and specifically vintage toys. Yeah. Uh, like 80s, 90s, very much uh, where my aesthetic thrives. Most of it is fashion dolls. Some of it is small dolls. They might have more molded on clothing. I could go on this forever. They're just so much fun. They spark so much joy and I, I love to surround myself with them.
0: I love it. So we're gonna wrap up. I'm gonna call it now, Babe Ruth style, call my shot. We're gonna do a sequel with Matt because I have Ooh. a million more things I want to talk to you about.
1: I would love to come back. Thank you, this um, was so much fun. If-
0: people are listening to this and like want to know who you are and what you're about, uh, where would you direct them? Which is a long, stupid way of saying, what's your social media and website?
1: It works. Um, So you can find me uh, at, uh, my website is www.tinysiren.com. We are, we again, um, I am tiny siren tunes at uh, that's on Instagram and Twitter. So uh, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, yeah, tinysiren.com.
0: All right, awesome. Go check out uh, Matt's cartoons and toy collection Woo, over yeah. there. Yeah. Thank you, Matt, for being on this podcast. Thank that you, I Alex. Named.
1: Thank you for <laughs> thank you for having
0: me. <laughs> no problem. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay. I hope you uh, loved that conversation. I really loved it. Clearly, I think you could tell. Um, thank you again to Matt Bruno Richardson for being a guest and for that like beautiful therapy session toward the end of the episode. So, you know, I'm going to say rate, review, subscribe, whatever else you can do on your app to say nice things about this podcast. That is actually super helpful. I have a lot of friends and family listening, but I want more people to listen that I don't know. I want some strangers to listen. Uh, It sounds creepy when you say that, but I really do. So um, that would really help me. This episode was recorded at CCTV in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, And thank you to Adam Salzberg, my brother, uh, for mixing the audio and helping get this to your ears. The theme music is by Typist, Adam solo project. You should definitely check out his album Almanac on Spotify. Uh, It's one of my favorite albums. That's all. Thanks for listening. And our next episode will be out in two weeks. So stay tuned.